Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cowboys Fan vs. the World podcast, where we explore the NFL world through the eyes of a Dallas Cowboys fan. It's your host, with the most, Chris. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day today. I know I am. We are one week closer to the NFL season. That is right. We're almost there. The best time of the year. And I'm not talking about Mariah Carey. The NFL season is about to begin. We are only one week away uh, from the first first games to be on Thursday with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. They're going to have the great little ceremony that they have for the Super Bowl winners. So they're going to have, you know, drop the banner, do all that good stuff for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions will be going to play them. Super excited. And for any of you college football fans, that's right. The college football season does start this week. I know some games have already been played last week, but this is the official start for everyone for college football. Very excited. I'm very happy that football is back for everyone. The world is better. The air, the air feels cleaner. Food's tasting better. The shower, when you're in there, the water is perfect temperature. And that's because football season is back. I hope everyone is ready and excited as much as I am. So before we go deep into this episode, so a couple of things. Um, I'm, first of all, I'm very excited for football to be back. Like I said, very, very excited. So what I plan on doing uh, to kind of make it also a little bit fun and change it up for the podcast a little bit. I'm going to be doing my predictions for the NFL week. So weekly, I will post a video of me, you know, predicting who I think is going to win for the week and try to see how how accurate I got it. You know, how close did I get? You guys can tell me where you think I'm right, where I'm wrong, you know, kind of go about it that route. I'm very excited to implement that this NFL season. I know, I mean, typically during the podcast episodes anyways, I'm going to be going over who I have for a prediction, but to kind of shorten it down, I will be doing a uh, clips of it so that way you guys can see like who i have winning for the week and kind of kind of as, as a wrap up uh, probably after monday do how you know kind of do a recap on how i did for the week and you guys can criticize me or i might be the smartest person ever who knows but we will have to see when that comes but we're one week away from me trying that out also some other news outside of the pot outside of the podcast news and the nfl um so for me personally, as the host, it is my birthday coming up. Um, actually, tomorrow, as of this recording, it's Wednesday. So tomorrow, Thursday is gonna be uh, my actual birthday. So very excited um, for that one. And so it's kind of like a special episode, birthday NFL season. That's kind of the best part I think about my birthday. It's right next to the start of the NFL season. So that's always gives me something to look forward to. Is that r- literally right after my birthday? It's NFL season begins or college football starts that week. So it's a, it's a great place and a great timestamp of where it is. So I absolutely love it just because I can start, you know, another year and football season's back. So kind of a two in one in my opinion, but I'm very excited for it. So this is kind of like a birthday episode. Very, very happy. I got to see another year. Here I am and give you guys another episode, but enough of the outside podcast stuff. Let's get into what's going on with everything. So first off, obviously, we're going to stop with the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys fan here. So this podcast is all about. So I'm going to go into the, fir- the final preseason game. They beat the 
They ended up beating the the Las Vegas Raiders. I always get caught with the Oakland thing every time. They beat the Las Vegas Raiders 31 to 16 behind the back of Will Greer, who went tw- I believe he went 29 and 35, 305 yards and two t- two TDs with a QBR of 122. First of all, great game for Will Greer. It's the first great game he had this whole preseason. I believe he set like a record for the Dallas Cowboys during the preseason. So that was awesome. Um, that was awesome for him. I know that. The Dallas Cowboys kind of did that because of Trey Lance that's coming in. We're going to talk about Trey Lance. i got a lot to say with what's going on with Trey Lance in this whole situation. But um, So we're going to stay with the preseason game. First of all, Will Greer, great job. I believe now he got on the practice squad for the Bengals, which is good because you never know what may happen. So um, I did like that the Dallas Cowboys did do that. Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and even Dak, they kind of gave him like a little – they know he was going to leave. They know they were about to cut him, so they kind of gave him a kind of a goodbye, like, hey, like we're going to set you up to make sure you're on a team or at least on the practice squad. Maybe you can make the 53-man roster, since, especially since that new rule with the NFL has passed where three quarterbacks can come on in and be on the active roster. So they're giving him a shot. So luckily, it worked out for Will Greer. It worked out great for him because now he's going to be with the Bengals on their practice squad, now with Trey Lance coming in. But kind of the biggest thing out of the whole preseason, like, out of, that, out of that game, the biggest thing I took out of it is that I'm very hopeful for Dak Prescott now. I, I am. I'm, now I'm a little bit more excited and hopeful. I know I was a little bit doubtful. I really was. But here's why. Here's why I have a lot more hope in Dak Prescott. Because he was the one calling the plays. So if you didn't catch the game or if you didn't know, Dak Prescott was actually the one calling the plays for Will Greer. He was the offensive coordinator for the night. And my biggest my biggest thing and kind of my biggest belief is that if you can if you understand a subject, like you, you completely understand it, you should be able to teach it to someone else and they should understand it as well. So what do I mean by this? So for example, I, I'm pretty strong in the subject history. So when I was in high school and a little and a little bit in college, I understand it so like pretty well to the point where I was able to help out you know other students in my class. I even helped out in high school with some of their AP testing. I got some people to get you know score pretty high, or even in college when I helped tutor them and they ended up getting an A in the class, or they actually started passing their test. Either way. Like that, to me, that shows that I understood the subject history pretty well because I was able to teach it to somebody else and it made 100% sense to them instead of them being more lost. This, this belief of mine, it travels no matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, if it's history, if it's, it's same thing with also, let's go to math. Math is a pretty complicated, you know, subject in my opinion. I, I don't understand math that well. So if I go to a tutor and they say they're pretty good and they understand it, if that to me it to me that should you know for me it would it would basically mean that you can teach it to me and it would make sense that's how i take it if you know the subject and you explain it to me and i still may not get it or you're you're not making any sense then you may have a little bit of a you may not know the subject as well as you think because like i said i'm a big believer in if you could teach it to someone else and they understand it 100% like there's no questions asked or they figure it out, then you know the subject pretty well. That's exactly what I think, you know, in life. And let's let's take it to football. So Mike McCarthy, the new off and uh, the new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore's gone. They came in. They want to run a West Coast offense, which is fine. So the biggest question mark is: Is this offense going to work with Dak Prescott? So 
with this last preseason game, Mike McCarthy gave the reins to Dak. He said, you know what, here, you get to call the plays. And the cool thing, and Mike McCarthy kind of understood this, is that if he can call the plays and it could be successful for a QB that is probably out the door and he has no reason to even try or he doesn't really have a reason where he needs to, you know, put in a lot of effort. I guess because it's the last game, he's out the door, whatever. But he put, you know, the plays that he called set up Will Greer to be successful. A lot of a lot of bootlegs, a lot of runs, you know, short passes, whatever it may be. He made Will Greer look like he could be a second or third string quarterback again. And that's what you want out of your starting quarterback calling plays. Because that means Dak Prescott understands the playbook a lot better than we thought. A lot of us were fearful that... Dak Prescott may not understand the West Coast. It might take him a second. He might need a, you know, he might need a couple games to figure it out and get fully in stride. But with him being able to call the plays with someone that is a QB three, that's, you know, like I said, out the door. He really doesn't have a reason to even try to get the win. And they did well. And like I said, they blew out the Raiders who were having a good preseason. And they won 31 to 16. That's pretty good considering it was the QB calling the plays. It wasn't even the head coach. It was Dak calling the plays, and all the plays were money. They were good calls. There was a fourth like fourth down calls that were kind of risky, but Dak knew it would work because he understood Will Greer. And Will Greer understood the offense because, you know, when Dak was calling the plays, he understood why it worked. He understood why he was, you know, hitting people wide open. He was able to, you know, make the passes in the, po- you know, in the receiver's pocket when he needs to, or why the bootlegs would work so much because they're so worried about the about the run game with Malik Davis and Diddle running. So Dak understood that and he knew that it would work and it would benefit Will Greer because Will Greer, you know, trusted Dak and so did Mike McCarthy. Now let's move it. Let's gonna let's kind of see what's gonna happen here. So if he understands that this offense, you know, he understands the offense well enough to call a pretty good game. He called a really good game, borderline perfect for Will Greer. Then that means that he should understand this offense pretty well to the point where he's going to be successful this year. Like I said, my personal belief, if you can teach it and it makes sense to someone else, you're going to be, then you understand what's going on. And Dak Prescott looks like he understands what's going on in Mike McCarthy's offense because he was able to call plays that worked for Will Greer. Like I said, is QB3. He's nowhere near the level of Dak Prescott. So now, with him understanding the offense and making it pretty clear, because if, if Dak would have called the offense and it wasn't good, then I'd be a little more concerned about what's going on over there in Frisco because clearly someone's not getting the communication right. But Dak looks like he understands the offense completely fine it looks like the west coast might be a better fit for him than maybe kellen moore's offense that he ran last year even though it was high flying he got a lot of yards he had to throw the ball a lot at least in the west coast it's a little bit of a more of a balance of run and pass or you have to rely a little bit more on the run to get you know to be able to throw the ball in the air and that's where tony pollard and deuce and ronald jones and Dinwiddie come in there's that's where other secondary players come in so him understanding this offense setting up Will Greer to basically get a job, you know, still be employed in the NFL and go, you know, and being successful and finally getting a preseason win. That's all I wanted was a preseason win. And we got it through Dak Prescott calling basically a perfect game and setting up everyone to be successful. That is going to be crucial going into the season, especially coming off a really, really bad, uh, 
a really bad season to Dak Prescott because 15 interceptions to 23 touchdowns out for five games. You, I mean, we all know the lore. We know everyone just giving crap to Dak. I even got the Dak Prescott jersey on for this episode. So I, you got to give him his praise and his flowers here because he called a great game. Considering this is a new offense that he had to learn this offseason under Mike McCarthy. And now I can kind of trust him if he needs to maybe call an audible. If he doesn't like something, maybe another audible play will work. Then I can trust him because it looks like he can figure it out. And then the whole notion that he may not be able to read defense as well. Sometimes it might be just the scheme. Sometimes it's just the plays that people call and there's not much they can do. So they got to make things work. So him calling a great game with Will Greer set him up. And now I have more faith in Dak Prescott because it looks like he understands the offense to a T, especially to be able to call a perfect game. Like I said, granted, it probably is a preseason game. It's not really like the starters, but at least that kind of shows me that he can he can run this offense, you know, pretty good if he absolutely needs to, you know, because this this season's going to be the make or break for him and Mike McCarthy, basically. And this is what and this is a good sign that he's going to be the guy that we're going to have to trust going into the season because he can run this offense and he's he's showing that he can run this offense pretty well and make sure the Cowboys offense is going to be successful this year, especially if he was able to call, like I said, a perfect game at against the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Cowboys are going to be fine with Dak Prescott being there. I don't really see an issue at all. So let's move on here. Let's talk about what's going on. Uh, Trey Lance, the former quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, has been traded from the 49ers to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. <laughs> Trust me when I say I was very shocked, especially since in the last episode I was crapping on Trey Lance and how I was saying he's a bust. Now, he's kind of our bust now. So, uh, like, uh, let's start from the beginning. So, what what happened to Trey Lance? So, like I said in the last episode, to me, when Trey Lance got drafted... Three years ago, I wasn't sold on him because he only played one full season at North Dakota State. That's not enough, in my opinion, to be a first-round pick. But the 49ers saw something in the man and traded three first-rounders and a fourth, so essentially giving up four players and their future for Trey Lance, and it didn't work out for Trey. And it didn't work out in San Francisco because he only played about seven games, and he didn't really have a lot of... He didn't have. He had some moments, but he kept getting injured. He kept do. He kept having this problem. He broke his leg. He broke his uh, index finger on his throwing arm. He's not. You know, he couldn't outbeat Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold in preseason this year. He looks like he didn't understand the offense. Which, keep in mind, Kyle Shannon's offense is pretty difficult. So, what happens? What happens from there? And this is where some people were having a question on if if the 49ers handled this well. And I'll get, I'll talk about that right now. So they ended up trading away Trey Lance, the Dallas Cowboys, which is us, America's team. And now he's there and they traded for a fourth round pick. Did they handle this situation right? I believe they did. I, I think that they handled this situation correctly because does it suck? Yes. And if we know anything about NFL owners, they are probably the biggest egomaniacs on the planet because they want to be right with their draft picks. They want to be the guy that drafted the next Brady, the next Mahomes, next Peyton, whatever. They want to be right on their picks and what they gave up. They want to show, you know what, that guy was worth the three first rounders. That guy was, you know, the game changer of our, of our, you know, our franchise. He became the franchise guy, whatever the, whatever the point may be. So we've seen that with owners over the years. They want to be, make sure they're right. 
obviously, they got a guy, the 49ers. They drafted uh, Trey Lance. And what happened was, in my opinion, Trey Lance was a quarterback who, number one, should have not been in the first round. He shouldn't have. Like, I don't care what you th- what you say in his talent and maybe his high upside. He should have not gone in the first round because Trey Lance is a quarterback that needs that development. He needed a little extra time to fully develop as a you know a decent or to a good quarterback, and he can mac- maximize his talents. He didn't get that at North Dakota State playing one game, or not one game, one whole season, and that's it. That's not how that works, especially if he's playing in basically borderline Division Two. So it didn't work out with the 49ers because, like I said, he was injured. He was injury prone, broke his index finger, and he broke his leg his second year. And, you know, there's nothing the 49ers could do about that. But this past preseason, they gave him the chance to try to outbeat Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy. He just showed that he wasn't progressing in his development. And now the 49ers were up to the, you know, decide, you know, how to decide. Do we keep him and try to hopefully he'll work out later? Or do we stick with Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold who look like they figured out our offense and they know we know they're going to be successful? So the 49ers cut their losses and said here. Dallas, here's a fourth round. Uh, here's him for a fourth round pick, and they went nuts about it. And that that's all fine and dandy. That's why I'm saying they handled it right because they acknowledged that they were wrong. The 49ers acknowledged that they were wrong on Trey Lance. They should have not traded away three first round picks and a third for Trey Lance. If anyone's winning in this scenario, it's the Miami Dolphins. They they won in this whole transaction. Doesn't matter if we only gave up a fourth. They got a lot back for. A quarterback that they didn't even want, which is really weird. And it's just, it's, now it's like my thing with this whole situation. Now, I want to move on to now he's he's in Dallas. Jerry Jones made the trade for the fourth rounder. The first, let's start with the first problem that everyone had, and I, I want to talk about this. And my problem is that, or problems people were having is that Jerry Jones, you know, he made the trade, but he did not console Mike McCarthy nor Dak Prescott. And everyone had an issue with it. Do I think I had an issue? No, I I really don't. Here's why I don't think Jerry Jones needed to discuss it with Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott. At the end of the day, it's a business. He's the one that makes the ins and outs and the decisions at the end of the day. If he wants Trey Lance here and it's only a fourth round pick, he'll trade it. If he wants a quarterback for maybe the future after Dak Prescott, or he sees that there's potential in him to learn under Dak, he'll do it. Keep in mind this, you know, he's the one that hired uh, hired Mike after G- Jason Garrett, after there was probably other coaches that were better better options. He decided to re-sign Dak after fighting with him, after he was saying, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, and he, and he ended up giving him his max contract. Keep in mind, Jerry's the one that is the one making these decisions at the end of the day, whether it be it's a, it's good for business or good for him or good for the Cowboys or if it isn't. He's the one that makes the choices. Now, it was reported that he did ask Mike McCarthy to evaluate Trey Lance and see what he thought. I guess Mike McCarthy liked what he saw. He saw that maybe he can develop under Dak, especially since they're they're pretty similar, in my opinion, to play style. You know, they they have arms. Dak Prescott can throw. Let's be real here. He can throw the ball. And he's a mobile athletic quarterback. So is Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance maybe has a little bit of a better arm than Dak, but he's definitely like a mobile and athletic quarterback that they can use. You know, and he can at least try to avoid getting hurt with the Cowboys. And, my, you know, so Jerry Jones said, okay, and pulled the plug on it. And I believe, like, whenever the news broke out about Trey Lance going, first of all, I was in shock. If you could check out my TikTok, I literally just did that 
impromptu because I did not expect this to happen. Neither did Dak or Mike because they were just as confused as everybody. I know when they uh, when they asked Dak about it, he was like, I, I seriously had no idea that we were even considering looking at another quarterback. And, you know, Jerry Jones basically said, I didn't have to tell anybody anything. Technically, they have no say in what I do and how I run how I run this organization, which is true. Like, there's nothing any of us can do. Like, there just isn't. He made the trade for Trey Lance because maybe he feels that, you know, it could be a future outside of Dak Prescott whenever he decides to either retire or the, or the Cowboys move on from him or he moves on for the Cowboys. Whatever the situation may be, he wants to maybe prepare for that going into the future. Especially if you look at Cooper Rush, who's only going to be here for two more years. And that's it. And I don't even think he's going to be here for two years because there's going to be a lot of teams this year that might need a quarterback. I know one in particular, the Arizona Cardinals, might want a quarterback. And I'm sure they would maybe give up a couple of picks for for Cooper Rush. We don't know. We don't know. Anything can happen. So having Trey Lance there would just be like, well, we have this guy that can learn behind Dak. So that's my thing is that he probably did it as an insurance pick. It's not really like something for people to worry about or like what the heck or Dak to even worry about, which we'll get to that topic in a minute. So, you know, Jerry, Jerry doesn't need to explain anything to anybody. If you really, really think about it, he doesn't have to because he's the owner at the end of the day. He can make the decisions that he feels is going to better the team. Now, well, Trey Lance better the team. That's a, that's an answer we're going to have to wait on because he's not going to be the automatic answer. That's just not what's going to happen here. So, he doesn't, he doesn't need to explain anything, which is I believe is true. He doesn't need to explain why he did it. I mean, all we can do is speculate. I just know right now it's not that kind of, it's not that kind of party. It's not what everyone's thinking. Which is the next topic I'm going to get into. Is Should Dak Prescott be worried that Trey Lance is there and he may take a spot? No. He's, Dak Prescott has nothing to worry about. And I don't understand, like, the kind of narrative that some people are, you know, kind of explaining here. Some people make sense, like, they're all right along the track I'm on. But there's other people out there that are trying to say that, oh, Dak is in trouble, his job's in jeopardy, this, this, and that. Here's the thing. We got to look at this. Trey Lance has not played a full season since he's entered the league. In the past three years, he has not played a full season. So he doesn't have enough to even show he will be better than Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has... Since 2016 to now, shown that he can, he can work. He works in the Dallas Cowboys, you know, system. He's a great role model. He keeps his nose clean. He's a franchise guy. Everybody loves Dak. He's a natural born leader, as you can see. He leads the team, even when stuff's going sour. You know, he tries to, you know, keep up the energy with the team and the morale. Even whenever they were having the bad season and when he, you know, we saw what we were without Dak Prescott as well. Keep that in mind. In 2020, when he snapped his ankle, ugh, just gives me the jeeps every time I think about it. And when we saw that, we saw what we were without him. When some people were saying maybe we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't give Dak a contract. We saw what we were without him. And that's the scary part. So let's look at, let's look at Dak like a little bit more deeper. He has been to the playoffs. He's had, a, you know, he's gotten multiple winning records. He's won two NFC East titles. He has led to be the number one offense in multiple years. There, you know, he's, it's not like he's a bum playing for the Dallas Cowboys. It's not that kind of situation. It just isn't. Dak, is, Dak has shown he can, you know, lead this offense. And like I said earlier, he looks like he understands Mike McCarthy's system because he was able to call a perfect game with Will Greer in the preseason. So it looks like he's understanding 
everything well, and it looks like he's going to be fine this year. He's going to definitely lower the interception numbers for sure. And let's keep this in mind. Let's go to Trey. Trey just got there. There ain't no way he's going to come in and take the position right away. So he's not even going to start this year. He, I, I think Trey Lance is going to be a three to five year project. Let's see, we're in 2023. So he may not play till 2026 to maybe 2028. That's my prediction. I don't think he's going to play next year or maybe the year after that. Who knows what may happen with Dak and if he gets an extension. So he's not, so he's not ready to play right now. He doesn't know the offensive schemes. So there'd be no point in us even coming close to trying to get him. So that's pointless. And then let's look and then let's look at this other situation. He's not even good enough to be QB2 right now. Cooper Rush is still there, so he's still going to be QB2, one of the best backups in the NFL right now. Let's be real. Like let's even be more honest. He doesn't even know how to get to the star in Frisco. He just got there. He has no idea what he's getting himself into in Dallas. He doesn't even know where half the stuff is in Dallas. He probably just found out that Dallas that they don't even play in Dallas. They play in Arlington. He probably just found that out not that long ago. That's my point, is that he's not ready to come in right now. I don't even think he's ready to come in next year. Like, he's going to take some time. He needs that development. And coming in, learning under Dak Prescott is going to help him. Now, is he going to be the quarterback of the future? I have no idea. Will he be? Like, will it be like a Tony Romo situation where they pick him up just in case anything happens to Dak? I don't know. Maybe it is. We there's a lot of uncertainties now nowadays in the NFL. Like we saw this past year, so many QBs went down in injuries, and they went through quarterbacks like nothing. The 49ers were a good example. They're the reason why the NFL passed the three quarterbacks on the main roster rule. The the Miami Dolphins they went through Tua, Teddy, Skylar Thompson. That was a giant fiasco. There's many other teams. The Commanders went through that experience. The Colts went through that. The we can you can kind of throw in the. The Atlanta Falcons, they kind of went through that. The Cardinals are still going through that right now, and they went through it last year. Like, there are so many examples of having a third-string quarterback is going to be helpful. Just that's where Trey Lance is going to be. He's going to be a third-string quarterback this year because, he's, in my opinion, he's not good enough to beat, beat out Cooper Rush. Hands down, he's not better than Cooper Rush right now. Talent-wise, maybe. But if you throw both of them in the fire, Cooper Rush is going to win those games over Trey Lance. And now let's move the let's compare him to QB one Dak Prescott. If you talent, maybe Trey Lance has a little more talent than Dak. But if I threw both of them in the fire, Dak Prescott will more than likely get the win for us. And that's where I'm. That's where I'm at with this with this whole situation with Dak Prescott. It's not something for him to worry about. It's not something for anyone to even consider a a challenge for QB one. And I I don't think Dak is thinking about it that way. Was he a little upset? Because I saw the interview with him when they asked him about Trey Lance. He was he I think he was more caught off guard. But I believe uh, Trey Lance spoke to the media this uh, I think yesterday or this or today I forgot which day it was. But he you know he had a big old smile coming to Dallas. I mean who if you're in the NFL who doesn't want to play. For the Dallas Cowboys, you know, America's team, the most, the richest organization in the world. And I think, I think, I believe when they asked him about Dak, he said that he welcomed them in with open arms. So Dak knows mentally where he's at. He's not, he's not worried about him coming in and being like, oh, hey, I'm coming to take your spot. You know, it's not that kind of situation that he's in. He knows he's QB1. If anything for Dak, maybe this gives him a more of an incentive to, 
you know, to be a better quarterback this year and guarantee his interception numbers are down, to guarantee we try to make the NFC Championship this year, to guarantee we make the Super Bowl this year, to guarantee, you know, try to guarantee we win it. You know, there's, that's what, you know, should motivate Dak Prescott right now is that having him there and Jerry's probably maybe thinking about, you know, not extending him or not giving him a lot of money to stay and maybe he might try to move on to Trey Lance. I think, you know, like I said, I think Dak is in a little di- bit of a different headspace. He knows he knows Trey's not going to play. You know, hands down, Trey's not going to play this year. Like, I don't, I just don't see it happening anytime soon. However, he probably knows that he may, he needs to be the mentor, the leader, the teacher for Trey Lance. So that way, at least his development can, you know, essentially be good. Like that way he can, he can develop him to be the quarterback that the 49ers want him to thought he was going to be. And I believe him being behind Dak Prescott, like I said, they have a similar play style. They, he can, he could develop the kid. I really do. And I think he can develop Trey Lance to possibly be maybe the quarterback in the far future. He's not going to be the quarterback right now. And I don't believe he's going to be the quarterback next year just because it's going to take some time for him to develop those. To develop those, you know, kind of develop, learn the offense because he still has to learn the offense. I highly doubt he's going to learn this offense in a week because there ain't no way. That's pretty hard unless he's just putting in nonstop crunch hours on the film, on the studying, hanging out with Dak Prescott, hip to hip, twenty four seven. That's that's my thing, and that's where I believe it's going to go. So Dak Prescott has nothing to worry about. I don't. I definitely don't have anything to worry about, and I'm not worried about my QB going anywhere. I'm not worried about him you know, possibly getting replaced this season because there's no way he's going to get replaced and there's no way Trey Lance is going to step in step in the season because we still have Cooper Rush, like I said. And it, it it's not that kind of move for Jerry. He's not, and I, I so hardly believe this, he's not getting Trey to replace Dak now. He, he got Trey, you know, once Dak is, you know, he's moved on from the organization, whether it's retirement, whether it's, you know, they move on to another team whether whatever it may be, that's why he got Trey Lance because it's not a guarantee what may happen. You know, it's not a guarantee. You know, he's gonna be a hundred percent healthy. Like I said, so many crazy things can happen in the NFL. Not everything is just certain. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not anything like crazy. It's more of it's just an insurance pick to make to get this kid ready in case he does have to go in there and some you know tries to make something happen and he can learn, but. I just I don't see it. Like I really don't see Trey Lance coming in and just taking over right away. Now I don't hate the trade. Like I want to get that out of the way here. I'm not mad about the trade. A fourth rounder for basically a first round pick, that's a steal. You know, if if 49ers don't want him, that's fine. I'm cool with Trey Lance being traded here. Like I don't want people to get the to get the notion that I, I wasn't happy about the trade. I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm I like the trade. I really do. Because I didn't really like Will Greer that much being our third string quarterback. And I was scared of, well, what happens if Cooper Rush gets hurt and Dak is out? Like, what are we going to do then? Because I really don't. Especially what I saw in the preseason, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I kind of would want another quarterback. And Trey Lance coming in, he's younger. You know, he's he's basically, you know, he has youth on him. He looks like he's he, he still has a lot of talent. He has a lot of potential. And I said this on... My TikTok the other day when I I talked about I said it was a low risk, high reward um, kind of trade and uh, trade. Here's why it's low risk. Worst case, they wasted their time. They only wasted a fourth round pick. It's not like with the 49ers, they wasted they lost so much because you know they traded th- three first rounders and a third, which is a lot. That's four. 
that's four different players they could have had instead of Trey Lance, and they gave it up. That's why it's low risk, because Jerry got him for pennies on the dime with only a one fourth round pick. And he looks like he's, I believe his contract still goes for another year. They can always pick up his fifth year and go that route. So Jerry, basically Jerry is setting himself up to like kind of get Trey Lance ready. And that's fine. And this is where I mean it's a high reward kind of trade. Because the high reward is that his potential, you know, he lives up to his potential and he ends up being pretty good like the 49ers thought he was going to be. He just needed more time to develop. He needed to still be behind Dak Prescott. Now, I don't blame, like, Shanahan and, like, the way they were trying to go about it. You know, they were saying, like, well, I mean, he's got to get those reps. Like, there's, you know, there's no way he's going to get better being behind, you know, Garoppolo or whatever. You know, they were trying to give him every opportunity they can, he can, that they can, but it just, it wasn't working out. And that's, that's just the thing. Stuff like that happens every year. So hopefully, you know, Trey Lance coming in, you know, maybe the fight lights a little bit more of a fire under Dak to show like, no, like I, I want my extension. I'm definitely going to earn it. I'm going to show you that I'm, you know, I'm the quarterback that you need, not really him. But he's also looking to be like the leader and the mentor and the teacher for Trey Lance so he can help him develop. So whenever his time does come to move on from the team, Trey Lance can always come in and, you know, take over and go from there. Because that's that's really all this is. It's really just a pick to ensure that they're going to be okay and that they're going to be fine. So also another thing that he doesn't have, Trey Lance doesn't have any kind of relationship with the receivers. So he kind of doesn't have that chemistry with them. So there's, like I said, there's a lot that Trey Lance has to come up with in a short amount of time. Like there's so much that he has to learn and he won't learn it in a week to overshoot Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott. Definitely doesn't have enough time for that. Like I said, this is going to be a year. He sits, he learns, he listens, and we'll just see what happens. Like I said, like I said, I'm not, I'm not hating on this trade. I, I don't mind the trade. I actually like it because then now we don't have to worry about going in to get a quarterback next year. And we can just worry about getting something else if we absolutely need it. Like, I don't know, another linebacker or something. So hopefully things work out and just hope for the best. That's all, we're, that's all we can really do. And hopefully we can develop Trey Lance and who, who knows? He may, he may be the quarterback of the future. We, we don't know. But it's definitely exciting. You know, it's a little exciting because we get like a, a young quarterback. We don't have to, if we have to throw him in, we're not throwing in like an older quarterback that's a little bit up there in age and like what happened with Andy Dalton or anything like that. So definitely having having younger blood is going to be a whole lot better than than having like a veteran quarterback that's just been, you know, sitting for ages. But but that's, that's how I'm going to end it on that note. Just Dak, there's nothing to worry about for Dak. He has nothing to worry about right now. All right, so we're going to move on to the next segment around the NFL with the Cowboys fan versus the host, uh, the Cowboys fan versus the world host. So this is where we kind of look around the NFL, what's going on. I give you my little insight on what it is. Like I said, this is what this podcast is also all about. You're seeing the NFL world through the eyes of Dallas Cowboys fan. We just already hit the dip and gritty with the Dallas Cowboys. Let's move on to what's going on in the NFL. All right, so first team we're going to look at is the Patriots. Man, I did not think this team can get any dumber with Bill Belichick there. His, Bill Belichick's on the his seat just got hotter. If it wasn't already in the hot seat, he's on the hotter seat. Apparently, Bill Belichick to, uh, has cut both his backup quarterbacks, Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. Why did he do that? Now they're just rolling with Mac Jones. I believe they're going to try to put him on the practice squad. But why would he do that? Like, that is... I don't know if he's playing chess and I'm just playing checkers or I don't know if he's losing his mind and I'm somehow sane and I haven't lost my mind. Because why would he cut 
both court both both quarterbacks are going to be backups. Because Mac Jones is the automatic starter. Like we already know that hands down. He's the starter. He's not going anywhere. But he cut Bailey Zappi, who won two games, and Malik Cunningham, who looked like he had a great preseason. And he looked like he could also fit a wide receiver because they put him at wide receiver and quarterback. So, like, my question is, why would he do that? Like, what's going through his mind to cut both backup quarterbacks? Because here's my problem. Here's, like, the issue. Like I said like I said earlier, the NFL passed the rule where you can have three quarterbacks on the active roster. And right now, he only has the one. What happens if Mac Jones gets hurt? What happens if he's out for the season? What happens when you're put in a situation where Mac Jones goes down? I'm knocking on wood. You know, hopefully nothing happens to him. Let's just, this is a scenario here. If he gets hurt, what are they going to do at quarterback? What are they going to do? Put a wide receiver back there? They don't have a Julian Edelman. Jacoby Myers is already, already threw one touchdown to the Raiders. He's about to go catch some more for the Raiders. So what is the point of this is my question for Bill Belichick. Because it can't be like, oh, I'm doing this to prove a point. Oh, I'm doing this to show that I'm, Bel- I'm Bill Belichick. No, this is... This- it just doesn't make any sense to me. It just really doesn't. I don't know if someone, a Patriots fan, or somebody can explain the logic of that because it's preparing for the worst, especially since, you know, Mac Jones did not have a good year. You know, last year with Matt Patricia calling the plays, they had a defensive coordinator being the offensive coordinator. It was the weirdest thing ever. And Bailey Zappi won two games under the coaching circumstances. And that was, I thought, was one of the crazier things that ever happened. So, if Mac Jones gets hurt, the Patriots are screwed. Hands down. They can't always run the ball and hope for the best. You know, Bill O'Brien's going to need a quarterback. Stevenson can't just run the ball. Like I said, Zeke is a, is an older running back. So that's I don't know how far that's going to get you. And Juju Smith-Schuster can't he can't just do TikTok dances all the way to the end zone. Like let, we got to be honest here. So I don't know where the mindset of cutting both quarterbacks is. And let's look at the worst another worst part. They could get picked up. They've been, you know, they got waived, they've been cut, whatever. They can get picked up by somebody else. Keep in mind, the Cardinals are probably going to run through like a bunch of quarterbacks throughout the season until until Kyler Murray could play or whatever they're going to do. The Broncos are already on a short leash, short leash with uh, Russell Wilson. So who knows how that's going to go? The Raiders may need another quarterback as well because we don't know how long Garoppolo is going to be how or how long he will last. So having two young quarterbacks that are ready to go they may get swooped up by another team that may need that other quarter may need a quarterback just to get them through the rest of the season and he just let two of them go when we don't know what may happen to Mac Jones like i said Max Jones got hurt last year that's why Bailey Zappi came in and guess what it was good to have that insurance that they drafted that quarterback now having him and Malik Cunningham like i said i think Malik Cunningham will be a little more helpful cuz he's a little more athletic than Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones but it's just to me, like I don't know what he's trying to do. Like he's already on the hot seat this year. Like he he's on the hot seat. He has not been successful without Tom Brady. He made the playoffs once without Tom Brady, and they got their butts kicked by the Bills. There there's a lot of things going on in New England, and the worst part is that Bill Belichick might be the one that gets fired. Like there's that's my that's my thing is he may be let go after this season. Robert Kraft might have to pull rank here and tell him, you know what, Billy, like thank you for your service, thank you for the six rings. It looks good in Gillette Stadium, but I'm I'm sorry, man, I gotta let you go. That's where we're that's where we're heading right now. If you're the New England Patriots, you're heading to probably Belichick heading out the door. Maybe Bill O'Brien becomes head coach again. Hopefully not. We saw what happens in Houston, but. 
my case is that Bill Belichick right now, it's not looking good for him because you're going to need backups. There's no way. Now, I can understand an opinion. Like, you don't think they're both that good and you don't think that they're they're at the level of Mac Jones. That's fine. I can get behind that. You know, I can get behind that. Maybe you can argue Bailey Zappi. Malik Cunningham, he's an undrafted free agent. Maybe he needs a little more time to develop somewhere else. Maybe learn under a different play style. Whatever. How... But how can you just let go of two quarterbacks when you only have one left on the active roster when you're possibly going to need both those quarterbacks if the time may come? You know, it, like I said, it's not a guarantee safety for the quarterbacks like at all. I mean, we, we realized that with Lawrence Taylor and uh, Joe Theismann and that injury. It's, it, it's not a guarantee. Tula just last year getting two, uh, two concussions and he was out for the year. Matthew Stafford got a bunch of injuries. He was out for the season. It Patrick Mahomes, somehow he's still better than everybody in the league with one leg, but he got hurt too. Lamar Jackson got hurt. There's a lot of scenarios where this can go south and having a backup is going to be helpful. Not having one is just plain suicide. Like I said, I don't know if maybe Belichick is playing. He's playing chess while I'm playing checkers. But I feel like I'm playing common sense and he's not. That's where my issue is coming right now with Bill Belichick. Is I can't, I can't explain the logic, and I really can't understand why you would cut two backup quarterbacks when you're probably going to need them going in. And what happens in the scenario if Mac Jones doesn't play well, and now they got to possibly go with somebody else? It just it doesn't make sense. In, in my opinion, it just it really doesn't make any sense. And hopefully they can. Hopefully he brings them back. They're on the practice squad. I can get behind if you want to sign up to the practice squad. That That's perfectly fine. But don't go into the season with only one quarterback. That is the worst idea you could possibly do, especially if you're already on the hot seat this year because we all know Belichick's right there on that hot seat right now. So don't don't dig your hole even deeper. Please get two other quarterbacks. Alrighty, so moving on, uh, looking more around the NFL, another team that's kind of, I don't know what's going on with them, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. So I so heartily believe that the Arizona Cardinals are trying to secure the number one. The number one pick in the draft. They're going to tank this year. Like it, All the evidence is showing that they're tanking because something ain't smelling right over there in Arizona. Let's look what's going on. So Kyler Murray just got on the PUP uh, list, so he won't be available to play until week four, which is pretty far away from now. They traded away Isaiah Simmons, one of their best defenders, to the Giants for basically pennies to the dime. They cut Colt, Colt McCoy, their only veteran on the team, and they traded for Josh Dobbs. And they're hopefully him and uh, Clayton Toon, the rookie out of Houston, are going to be the ones running the ship for the next four weeks. And then they cut DeAndre Hopkins earlier in the offseason, so he's gone. They traded away uh, an offensive lineman. These are all just signs they're ready to tank. They're going to possibly not win a lot of games. And what sucks for that, you know, for them, or at least for the players and the coaches, is that they're not trying, you know, nobody wants to purposely lose a game. Like, nobody goes into the game thinking or going into the season like, well, this is the year we tank and reset the button again. I don't think that, like, no one wants to go through that. Not the, not the team, not the coaches, not the staff, not the fan base, none of them. So the fact that the organization is setting them up to go down this route is kind of it's kind of sad in my opinion because at least they can try to make it work if they had if they kept maybe Isaiah Simmons to help out that defense at least all they would have to worry about is offense going into the next offseason but and then having Colt McCoy there 
yeah, he's a he's a longtime veteran, but he looks like he can understand the offense and make it work. He looks like he's gonna he can be at least he can keep you afloat until if Kyler Murray can possibly return. I don't know if Colt McCoy can last through a whole season because he's gotten hurt a lot, but at least he can keep you afloat for four weeks. You would only need him for four weeks, but the fact that the Cardinals cut that longtime veteran, like I said, traded away Isaiah Simmons. They got Josh Dobbs, who had who had an okay year, nah, semi decent of uh, year in Tennessee when Tannehill and Malik Willis were not doing good, or when Tannehill got hurt and Malik Willis wasn't the answer. And now Clayton Toon, the rookie out of Houston, is going to come in and try to win him some games. I I don't really see that happening though because they don't really have any weapons aside of Hollywood Brown and maybe John's uh, James Connor. And that's about it. So the Cardinals aren't just looking good. It's not looking good for them. And it looks like the organization is preparing to tank for the number one pick this year, you know, over everybody else. Cause you, these are like the signs of tanking when you're just, you're unloading, you're trying to get what you can from your best players, you know, try to get some extra draft picks and go about it and see what, you know, see what they can do this upcoming off season with a bunch of new rookies, you know, save some money, especially since they gave up so much money for Kyler Murray, which, Looking back at it, probably the biggest idiots ever because they just gave him a lot of money to not even play. So that, that that's what I'm saying. Like that's kind of the the signs of tanking, you know. And what kind of sucks is that, you know, Kyler Murray showed that he can he has talent and he can make an offense work, but he just keeps getting hurt and he and he can't be available. The best ability you can have in sports is availability. And if he ain't available, then what's the point of keeping you? And keep in mind, this isn't the first time the Cardinals have not done something like this, but they moved on from a quarterback. Let's remember uh, Josh Rosen. They picked him very high, and I don't even think he's in the league right now. So they're not afraid to move on from their first-round players. They're not afraid to just, you know, move on. They're not afraid because they've done it before, and they'll do it again. Because it looks like they're going to get Caleb Williams because he looks like he can at least at least try to get them out of their predicament. Because if they bring in Caleb Williams... He's he's bigger than Kyler. He's not as fast, but he definitely has you know the arm strength, the intelligence. He can stay at least semi healthy, and they can at least revolve their team around Caleb. But what may happen to Kyler Murray? They may try to trade him, cut him, but they're just going to owe him a lot of in dead money. They're, the Cardinals kind of put themselves in a predicament this upcoming season with Kyler Murray's contract and you know letting go with all these players and. I believe it was also announced that Zach Ertz may not even play in week one. There's just a lot of what is with that team. And I know the certain is they're not going to win their division. There ain't no way. With the roster that they have right now and all the trades and the cuts that all the razzle dazzle that they're doing, it ain't, it's not, it's not looking good. And they're not putting themselves in a position to even try to win the division this year, or at least maybe make a wild card. Like they're just not in that position. There's nobody there to help them out. And it sucks because they brought in the defensive coordinator from uh, Philadelphia to come in and be the head coach. And his first year being the head coach is probably going to be a three-win, four-win season. Five wins if I'm being generous here because they're definitely going to try to go get Caleb Williams. And like, I, and like I've said, Kyler's, Kyler's the one that should be worried. If we're talking about Dak Prescott being worried, Kyler should be the one that's worried because Kyler looks like he's about to get replaced because he's not he's not available. He can't stay healthy. If he's not healthy... Why would we keep you? It was the same argument um, everyone had with Lamar Jackson whenever he was wanting his contract. Is that, dude, you haven't played in the last two seasons. You didn't play in the playoffs when we made the playoffs, and you didn't play at the end of the season. Kyler Murray hasn't played a full season since, I believe, his rookie year, his first two years in the league. That was the last time he ever played a full year. So he got all his money, and now he doesn't 
Now he hasn't even played. Now he's not even going to be there for week one. He's just probably going to be playing COD all week. So it's it's not good for the Arizona Cardinals. It's not good for the Red Sea Nation because it looks like it looks like they're going to try to secure the number one pick this year with Caleb Williams. Like I said, he's going to be there. It's going to be a great pick for them, and they'll have to just see what they're going to do with Kyler Murray. They're either move on or give him one more year and just try to draft offensive lineman or a weapon, something to help him out. Like I don't really know what that answer is going to be for Arizona. I just know that they're they're on the they're on the path to not have a good season. Alrighty, so final thing around the NFL: Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty is back. He practiced today. He's back. They're going to win the AFC North. That's really all I got to say about that because he's, he's going to be back. Will he play week one? I don't think they announced he's going to be back week one. Things may change. As of this recording, I do not know if he will play week one, but him practicing is a good sign. He has probably a week. I know that a lot of people were speculating he's going to miss several weeks. I know I was thinking he wasn't going to make it for week one. He may have made it for week three, week four, but he's, he's practicing. He looks good. So that's the so Bengals the Bengals uh you know nation and everyone in Cincinnati can take a breath. He's going to be he's fine. You know, he's going to come on in. I believe the only uh, only thing like I saw that was a concern is like if he's really going to play without a new negotiated contract. I mean, he's going to go play regardless. Like either way if he's paid or not, um he's going to go in there win some games for the organization just because he's that kind of guy. And we'll just have to see down the line what's going to happen with those contract negotiations. But for right now, Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty is back. Hopefully he can play for week one. So you fantasy, you fantasy team havers do have Joe Burrow can relax. You can maybe start him this week and hopefully he can stay healthy for the rest of the season. But alrighty, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the Cowboys fan versus the world podcast. Make sure you guys, um, this episode will be up on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. I'm on all of them, so it'll be up. Uh, thank you again to some of the people in the comments that uh, wish me a, a happy birthday. Like I said, um, as of this recording, it's uh, it's a Wednesday. My birthday will be on Thursday. That's when the episode will be up, so that way it actually is uploaded on my birthday so you guys can see that. But thank you guys for the comments that said happy birthday. Thank you so much. Very excited. And football season's right around the corner. College football this weekend. I'm very excited to watch those teams go up. Coach Prime, Texas Tech, you guys name it. I'm very excited. And then next week, next Thursday, is going to be the start of the NFL season. But make sure you guys follow me on all of my social media at CowboysFanVersusTheWorld. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Threads, you name it. I'm on there. But until next time, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. (laughs) 